HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Well, hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. It's a beautiful, sunny Monday afternoon here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This is Tech Bytes. I'm your host, Jennifer Leuzzi, and every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., we talk about the intersection of food and technology. If you like this show, come and visit us at heritageradionetwork.org. There are thousands more like it. If you really, really love it, click the Donate Now button and support the Heritage Radio the first thing I like to do before we get started is introduce everyone in the studio so that we can match the names to the voices. First up, we have special guest engineer today, Liz. Hello. She's taking over controls uh, for Jack, who is out at a Heritage Radio Network event today. Yeah, he's up, he's up golfing in the sun, having a few drinks, schmoozing a bit, perhaps. I think it's a chef, bartender, golf junket <laughs> yeah it sounds like a horrible time it sounds, boondoggle. It sounds like no fun at all <laughs> totally sarcastic <laughs> it's great to be here thank you for coming and for making this all happen for us our first guest is terry romero she is with kickstarter hello thanks for coming thanks for inviting me and while i really appreciate your your time and coming out to brooklyn i'm going to have to say that my current favorite guest right now is terry dengrove of brula bars and she's our favorite guest because she brought us all popsicles (laughs) (laughs) hi there thank you for coming and bringing the perfect popsicle treat for a sunny day you're welcome we're going to talk more about the popsicles later The first thing we do on Tech Bites is we start the show like a great meal with an appetizer. And that means we all talk about our favorite apps, apps we've just discovered and apps we love. So everybody has a few minutes to think of theirs. You do not get to say an app that you work for. (laughs) I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Terry. (laughs) Liz, do you have any exciting new apps for us today? 
I dare say it's not new, but with the, the recent title app, I will say that I am still a firm believer in Spotify over title, over the Jay-Z, Beyonce, Coldplay, et cetera, et cetera, getting behind title. Can you, for listeners at home and on the airwaves who might not know what title is, can you explain that? Sure. Basically, it's the same idea as uh, Spotify, streaming music application. However, they tout a higher quality of music than what Spotify offers, but with that in mind, the interface is not as nice as Spotify. As well, not every uh, music act is included on Tidal just yet, so it's still new, still up and coming. But mostly, consider what you listen to music on. Most times I use my cheap little Apple earbuds. Is it worth paying twice as much for something when I'm listening to great quality music on horrible little earbuds? I think not, for my, <laughs> for my student dollar anyway. And it's also worth noting, um, you know, Liz is, of course, a professional and a DJ sometimes also. You make music or you engineer music. Absolutely. So she is not just a listener. She's also a creator. So worth so, noting. Yeah. I mean, if you had an amazing sound system, then go for it. But on the go, this little New Yorker is going to stick with Spotify. Okay. And Terry, what do you have for us today, app-wise? Well, I don't think my choice of app is new either, but I have to say I start my day with this app. Okay. And it's essential to my well-being is my AeroPress timer app. Oh. Yeah, I'm a coffee nerd, and I love my AeroPress, and I love the AeroPress app. And I, 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 there's all these recipes on there that I used to time my AeroPress, you know, my coffee, and like, you know, when to plunge it, when to stir, when to mix. I, I don't know. I, so, I look at it every day. <laughs> AeroPress is a French coffee press. Or French-style coffee press? No, it's or? not at all. It, um, I, I, I don't know the exact uh, history of it, but it is, it's like a vacuum tube. It is not at all like a French press. Okay. It is invented by the inventor who also invented the Aerobee Frisbee, that, that Frisbee in the 80s that everyone had that looks like a, like a ring that goes really, really right. far. Yes. He also invented this. Okay. It's a cool. plastic tube. If you, it it kind of has a cult-like following. If you find anyone that is into the AeroPress, they will just kind of gush about it like I am right now. <laughs> and it gets really nerdy, and it's all about timing your coffee to the second if you really want to get into it. So describe the process very quickly, how you use the AeroPress, and then when the app and the timer come in. Okay, so uh, I grind my coffee with a burr grinder, so you know, I have to get really nerdy with grinding the coffee, too. Good quality coffee. Conical ceramic burr grinder? Uh, I hand one, a little Hario. I just kinda, okay. I'm making this motion that everyone knows who has one. Uh, <laughs> and then I put it in, it's like a two-part plastic tube. There's nothing high-tech about it at all. One has, like a, it's like a plunger. It looks like a, it looks like a bong, probably. I don't know. It's just, so you put this thing together. Uh, you could do it vert like uh, you could do it right side up or, or inverted to get even more weird about it. Put your coffee in it, and then that is uh, when you start timing it. When you pour your hot water that has been like done to a certain temperature, I have a kettle that you know is a gooseneck that tells me that it's at 185 degrees. That's how I brew my AeroPress coffee. So I I start the timer. Uh, and it, there's a bunch of recipes. I'm using one called the Weaver right now, which is a two-step process where I add the coffee, I add the the water, half of the water, and I stir it for 10 seconds, and then I let it steep for another, I think, 25 seconds, and then I add more coffee to it. I mean, more water to it, not coffee. And then I let that steep for another, like, maybe, I flip it. I flip it over. I know this is getting really technical, right? Way more involved. And then I have to plunge it. So it's really like this really awesome process where you you put it over your mug 
and then you press down on it and it just like like sometimes it's for 10 seconds sometimes it's for 25 this is a 35 second plunge so it's a really slow plunge and when you get to almost the bottom uh it makes a hissing sound because you created a vacuum like the coffee is being brewed in a vacuum and then you have this one perfect cup of coffee wow yeah (laughs) that sounds amazing this is also the first time I've heard of a small appliance that comes with an app to better utilize the appliance to make the product. So this is a this is a first on Tech Bytes, an exciting discovery, and maybe something that we'll yeah. have to look into a little bit more to see how many appliances comes with how many appliances come with apps. This did actually them. not come with the app. There's plenty of the people have been using this without an app, but then as apps became a thing, there have been more apps created. For AeroPress, because AeroPress is just this big nerdy community that we really love it. And this is the official one, but there's many other ones out there. Yeah. Food geek meets tech geek meets a lot of geek. Yes. <laughs> With lots of caffeine. Perfect. How about you? What do you have for us today? Um, I use Argus. Okay. So I use the pedometer feature. I drive a lot. I do the sales and operations for Brula, so I'm all over the place. So I like to make sure I'm getting in enough steps. And so Argus is a pedometer that counts your steps? It, it connects to a lot of different things. So I think if you have some of the like a Fitbit or some of those other tech toys. Sports, accessories? Uh-huh. Tech sports it can track a lot of stuff. It can track your heart rate. You can monitor... Like, I think you can even track, like, what you're eating and how much water you're consuming and other things like that. So it really is meant to help you monitor your health and just general, like, lifestyle. day inputs and outputs. Uh-huh. But I use, I I used to track my water and the um, pedometer feature. Now I just let it count my steps. Just steps. Mm-hmm. How many do you try to get to every day? Uh, at least 8,000. How many are you at so far? 2000 <laughs> and the studio is not very big because it's actually an old shipping container so mm. <laughs> we're not i don't think we're going to help you very much it's probably 12 steps from end to end. yeah i'm probably not going to hit my goal today so my app today is slack and mm. slack is a free sort of almost private networking device where you sign up and you create groups and you can have private internal conversations sort of like texting with a small group of people or sending things in a closed conversation. And the interesting thing to me is that it's been around for about two years, I think. Um, And almost instantaneously, something happened about two weeks ago where everybody that I was talking to was talking about Slack. And I'm getting bunches and bunches of invitations to join Slack. So something is happening on the Slack horizon. (laughs) Not quite sure what it is, but it's kind of interesting. So we'll see how it goes. It's seems a slightly more business focused than something like WhatsApp, which mm-hmm. I do have, which is similarly, mm-hmm. you know, private conversations with amongst multiple people if you want. So we'll see what the big differentiator is. It might just be the new kid on the block. So we have a show today focusing on Kickstarter. And from the very beginning, Kickstarter has been on my list of interesting things to talk about because the crowdfunding as a model online combined with the fact that Kickstarter focuses on projects and creating things has really been, you know, revolutionary for small businesses and entrepreneurs across the board. And I think has had a really interesting impact specifically in the restaurant and food world. Um, Because these are, restaurant and food is not at the beginning. And even sometimes when you're very successful, businesses that have lots and lots of money or very big margins, typically the margins are extremely small. So 
it's sometimes hard to find money and investors when you're starting out in the restaurant and food world because the rate of return is never going to be that big. Uh, Junie Porent, who is a famous, well-known restaurateur in New York City who has places like Tribeca Grill and Nobu, has said for years and years that the profit margins on restaurants are, are a dime on the dollar. Mm. So it's always been pretty hard to get funding. So Kickstarter has created a platform that has democratized that a little bit, made it a little bit more interesting. And I think with the advent of things like iTunes and Amazon and eBay, people are now very comfortable making small financial transactions and bigger financial transactions online with a smartphone. There's nothing scary about it. It's secure. Mm -hmm. And that sort of almost spontaneous impulse purchase of, I'll spend a few dollars here, I'll spend a few dollars there is also, I think, part of what has driven its success. So... On the whole, Kickstarter is very interesting. It's also extremely self-serving because right now Heritage Radio Network <laughs> is eight days to go on our own Kickstarter campaign Yay. to raise $35,000 <laughs> to build a brand new website online home for the radio station, primarily because um, the current website is created in a programming language that will actually become extinct. So the website is actually going to kind of self-destruct <laughs> in the near future if we don't make a new home for it. So have always wanted to talk about Kickstarter, have now an imperative call to action to talk about Kickstarter. So Terry's here. She is the food and crafts outreach person at Kickstarter, and she's been there for about two years. So why don't you tell us what is particular about the food and crafts projects from other things okay no pressure after <laughs> it's all about kickstarter um so so yeah so what i do at kickstarter is i basically interact with the community of makers we call people who make projects on kickstarter makers i like that title because that's exactly what's going on these are people that are actively creating something new whether or not it's never existed before or they're building on something they've been like passionate about for a while uh, one of the best things about what I get to do is I get to just interact with people that uh, from all kinds of uh, points in their life and in their creative life about what they're making in food and in crafts. That's an, a very important distinction about Kickstarter because it is specifically for projects and things. There are other crowdfunding platforms which are for charities or not-for-profits mm -hmm. or a special event or something like that, something philosophical or ideological but Kickstarter is the home of stuff, people who are going to make stuff. Yeah, and, and stuff doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, you know, like, like a popsicle, like a delicious popsicle. It can also be a film. It can be, a, you know, a musical. It can be an experience, like, a, like, a, like an event or a party or a pop-up restaurant. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a consumer-type good. Yeah. So you take a look at all the projects that are coming in and all of the makers. Yeah, I, I try to. It's getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> so I do my best to try to keep up with what's going on. Uh, and it's it's really been amazing in the two years that I've been there to see like this the massive growth in the food category alone. Uh, and I think it's interesting because a lot of times people don't think of when they think of Kickstarter initially, they may think of like, you know, like some awesome new technological you know, piece of hardware or some big, big movie, but there's so much like culinary creativity going on on the site. It's really exciting. 
What are some of your favorite projects that are happening right now? Right now? Oh, man. Like, a lot of times I can I just think of stuff that, uh, okay, which is funded, um, is a wonderful restaurant in Pittsburgh that's like a Polish-themed, like a really cool, hip Polish restaurant. I oh, I can't remember the name right now. They're putting me on the spot to remember the name. That almost sounds like an oxymoron, the cool, hip Polish they restaurant. They do. They have, apparently, I've talked to uh, Pittsburghians. Uh, I don't know if that's what... You call yourself you're from Pittsburgh, but that say they have the, absolutely the best pierogi night ever, and they just funded, and I am so excited for them. So I'm going to be coming to Pittsburgh soon to have the best pierogies ever. So since Kickstarter has been founded back in 2009, I've read a couple of different statistics. One is that there have been about 80,000 projects that have been funded. Mm-hmm. Something to the tune of, I've seen different numbers, 1.4 and $1.7 billion altogether. Yeah, I would say it's like on the 1.7 and probably growing at that. Because, like, again, the stats keep growing all That's the time. a mind-boggling <laughs> yes. number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's intense. It's intense. Um, I could tell you that over 71 uh, million of that is in food alone. Yeah. Wow. 71 million yeah. food in food alone. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot going on in food and all kinds of things from restaurants to farms to community gardens to CSAs to products, um, you know, cookbooks, cooking series, like just the so whole gamut. Yeah, That's almost half the amount of money total has gone to food. Well, almost. No, I think that might be. 700 million? Yeah, yeah. No, 71. Third, 71. 71 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 71. Sorry, <laughs> I got really excited. I know, me too. <laughs> Maybe someday, next year, when we have this conversation. Yeah. That's really amazing. We're going to find out who has given us a couple million to sponsor Tech Bites mm-hmm. as we go into the break and hear a new song. <laughs> You are listening to Knife Show. This is Tech Bytes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. National Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. Well, if you've just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org, coming to you live from two shipping containers in the backyard of Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you've been listening along and you hear all these funny little noises, that's because 
Rebecca Dengrove of Brula Bars is one of our guests today, and she was nice enough to bring us a couple of boxes of these delicious specialty brewed tea fruit popsicle-like things, which is what I'll call them, which is perfect because it's 80 degrees and sunny here. We are talking with Rebecca today about her Kickstarter campaign, and I believe your campaign started in 2011. Yeah. And successfully completed. Yep. We have Brula Bars in hand. <laughs> <laughs> what was it that made you decide to go to Kickstarter to fund your new business? Um, we had started selling our ice pops out of a cart down in Manhattan South Street Seaport at the Fulton Stall Market. And we had done one successful year there. We'd gone back for our, our second year at the market. And we needed money to support continued production rent at the market and we were looking to get the pops manufactured and start scaling up for retail stores so our project was focused on on supporting the market but also getting some of the hurdles out of the way for um, creating our packaging design and getting that completed so we called our project the ice pop hypothesis mm-hmm. and the whole idea well, was that, that yeah, ice pop hypothesis that um were you in advertising before? No, I'm actually a food scientist. Okay, so somewhat related. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the whole idea was that a delicious ice pop will make you happy. And, you know, everybody sort of walks around with their Confirmed. eyes down mm-hmm. in, Confirmed. in New York, <laughs> you know, and, and here we are trying to bring something fun and delicious and healthy <laughs> To the streets and consumers across the country, but so know, how much really money did you? How much money did you raise? A little over ten thousand dollars. So why did you decide to do it on Kickstarter instead of just asking friends and family or putting down a couple credit cards? Or I mean, ten thousand uh, dollars is a good amount of money. I mean, if somebody offered it to me, I would definitely take it. Mm-hmm. But it's not a huge, huge. We need six million dollars. Um, we weren't ready to go out to friends and family and do a really aggressive raise like that. Um, we also like the marketing efforts behind Kickstarter and that it got our brand out to more than just our friends and family, although I'd say that's probably the majority of who contributed to the campaign. Um, but it you know, it just seemed like the right platform. Lots of exciting things were going on at Kickstarter. It was still pretty new. Um, and we had exciting things going on, and we just seemed like the right fit at the right time. So... Kickstarter was attractive not just because of the money it would help you raise, but because it was a was is a destination. Exactly. So the community of people, people know to go there to look for things, the sort of high tide raises all ships kind of idea versus right. people trying to find you out by yourself on an island. And the project stays alive there. So one of the things we were discussing earlier is they just created this new feature called Spotlight. Yeah, Spotlight. And um, it allows us to continue to have conversations with the people that contributed to our campaign and keep people excited and let them know that the project is um, not only was it successful, but the business has continued to flourish. Which is really exceptional and great and not always the case. There was a very interesting New York Times article very recently about a Kickstarter campaign that sort of vanished into thin air after they raised all the money, the coffee company oh, which oh that that cooled the coffee temperature down oh yeah i mean that that is that is a risk that's out there and we definitely encourage creators to say hey be honest about what you're doing 
and keep the communication going because the people that are going to be pledging to you are your biggest fans and you know that's sort of the agreement that you 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 create when you create a project in kickstarter is like complete transparency and open and honest communication you know it's an yeah it's also a, a little bit of a hybrid expectation between yeah. excuse me popsicle people who are <laughs> contributing money it's not a store no. so they're not customers no they're funding and giving money, but they're not actually investors in the sense that they have any equity or right. any voice or stake in how you run the business yeah. or, you know, what flavor brula bars you're going to have or well, not. That was, that was actually one of our prizes was like, I think our highest bid amount, if you contributed, I think a thousand dollars, we would name a pop after you and sort of build the flavor. Did anyone do honor. that? Um, yes. so our grandma did that and we did a flavor after our grandpa and it was kind of a limited time nana brula bar a a bourbon coffee Mm. because the whole so the whole idea bourbon brula bar yeah the whole idea behind brula is that everything is craft brewed so the tea is the two you know the two flavors we have here are both tea based but really bringing something unique to this idea of being craft brewed and what that means and just the complexity of flavors and nuances and making it fun and different that's great i love that your grandma wanted a bourbon popsicle (laughs) it's amazing love it this grandma (laughs) the top funded um they're not prizes what are they we call them rewards rewards the top funded reward on the heritage radio network fund is five thousand dollars and you get a season of your own radio show Hey, that's that amazing. That'll help produce and <laughs> yeah. will help produce and all of that. But that to me seems like an amazing opportunity yeah. for somebody. Mm-hmm. And it's an involvement, right? It's like, it's yeah. not just I'm just passively sitting here. It's like someone, and this is what we love about the platform is like, these are people that really want to be in there and be, you know, part of the development and creation of what you're doing. Yeah. It also has become an interesting rite of passage for mm. businesses in you know the startup phase for the entrepreneur for the founder running a successful kickstarter campaign they call it proof of concept right mm-hmm. so yeah. if you are looking to go in and do the big funding for the you know the 2 million or the 6 million or the next thing going having a successful kickstarter campaign you take out to potential investors and say oh we have proof of concept we raised x amount of money in such a short period of time that can't be something that the founders envisioned at the beginning I think it's just something like uh, one of the great things about Kickstarter, we've definitely had this attitude of like, let's see what happens. <laughs> there definitely is the, the we try to cultivate that idea of experimentation and people going out there and seeing what they can do with the platform. Um, but but yeah, that, that proof of concept kind of speaks to the idea of community. Like it's a lot more than just, hey, we need some money, you know, but it's actually right. reaching out to the people that love what you're doing. You know, and they and they and they want that too. They want to know that hey, I can I can make a radio show, or you know, my have a you know a brula bar named after grandma. You know, like <laughs> on a higher level, but even not like not on a, like a lower level too. You know, um, even with just like participating um, in your in your project, like I'm sure you hear from your backers too, right? Like, yeah. Like when you when you talk to them via spotlight or or mm-hmm. even before, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean that was great when the spotlight feature came out and we were able to provide this mm-hmm. update. And now. You know, we went from last year we were in about 150 stores and now we're in about 450 stores. And to share that news, I think people Mm -hmm. were really, you know, they felt really proud of being part of the project so early on. Yeah. So everyone feels like they have a stake in the success. Exactly. And the the Mm -hmm. more bright that success becomes, the better people feel. 
And then yep. that probably inspires them to participate even more. So it's kind of like a positive cycle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our project's hard because our product's frozen. So unfortunately, you know, we didn't offer shipping the Brula bars. But, um, you know, as we look to the future, maybe that is an opportunity that we do another small campaign and highlight a specific new flavor or something. Um, just different ways to build excitement and well, you could always do coupons or something like yep. that or do a Brula Bar meetup or something and, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I always, um, towards the end of the show, like to ask my guests for advice for the listeners because we always hope that people become excited by the things they hear on Heritage Radio Network and on, on Tech Bytes. So, Terry, what is your advice to someone who's going to create a food-oriented campaign on Kickstarter? What What is the your best advice for success for them? How do you make a successful campaign? Uh, I, I think it requires like homework and perseverance. Like it is, it, it's going to be work, you know, Kickstarter, doing a Kickstarter campaign. It's emotional. Uh, you know, I'm sure Rebecca <laughs> had many feelings while having a campaign and, and, and thinking about like, what is your message? And you'll, you're going to learn so much by doing a campaign, whether or not you're successful, you know, it's going to be, I think a big developmental step in your idea. What kind of homework do you think people need to do? I think you need to you need to know your social media, you know? I mean, it's 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 on the internet. So like going out there and finding out who out there is loving what you're doing. Where are they? What blogs are they reading? What what radio shows are they listening to? You know, where do they shop? Like doing doing your homework like that will pay off big time. So, and for you I would say, you know, your Brula bars are made with beautiful teas and we started off the show with a very specific experience on how to brew the best cup of coffee <laughs> how do you how do you brew your tea and what's your recommendation mm. for brewing tea both hot and cold because this is definitively um, iced tea weather yeah I, I think for the brula bars we do most of our stuff is cold brewed and actually we're launching a new flavor this summer that's a cold brew coffee yum that's gonna be it's awesome i can't wait to get that out in stores um but with the tea you know, we're making these on a much larger scale than we started. When we first started, you know, I had a lot of control over the brewing process. At this point, I've put very specific um, steps in place to make sure that our manufacturers can replicate what I created. So, but we do tend to cold brew. Um, that was a choice you made from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. And why did you pick cold brew? Um, it's a little bit more gentle. And I think the I like the way it delivers the flavor of the tea better. I think um, you with the hot brew, you risk almost burning it. And so I think it just puts more precautions in place. And, she was making you know, hand gestures and kind of nodding her head in a very <laughs> emphatic way. Um, you know, just really focused on the quality of the finished product. And it allows us to have a little bit more control behind the quality of the product. So when I think of cold brew, I think of the um, old uh, sun brew iced tea commercials mm -hmm. where you basically put your tea into cold water and then put it into a closed container and, and let it sit. Sometimes in the sun will speed it up or, or not. Yeah, that's very similar to the process. Yep, on a much larger scale than, you know, the gallon containers. So what would you recommend for people to do at home to cold brew tea? I think exactly, you know, that sun brew tea is is amazing. And um, I think people, I don't know if, I, I don't hear people doing that anymore. And I think, you know, with the spring and the weather changing, that it's the perfect time for cold, um, sun brewed tea. And doing that with the cold water just really, you get a cleaner taste 
helps with manage the acidity of the tea and the flavor. Okay, very good. So successful Kickstarter campaign, cold brew iced tea. Sounds like we're really in good shape for the summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to thank Terry Romero from Kickstarter and Rebecca Dengrove from Brula Bars for coming out and bringing Brula Bars and talking about campaigns, popsicles, and the $1.7 billion idea that is Kickstarter. <laughs> if you like this show, come back and see us again next week on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on heritageradionetwork.org. If you loved it, go to the website, listen. We have thousands more shows just like this one. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.